All right. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the live stream broadcast for Rock City Church here in the beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas, my favorite city, and there's nowhere else I'd rather be. And I have a real love for my city because I didn't like it when I first got here. <laughs> but now the Lord has given me a great love for it over the years, and I'm so thankful for what we call the sparkling city by the sea. And uh, wherever you're at, we're praying for you, and we're praying for your town and city, and make sure that you ask the Lord about where you live because you want God's heartbeat for the people and the leadership and your community for where he's planted you. And so I'm so excited to be with you this morning. And uh, today we're going to have a lot of fun diving into God's word. And uh, before we dive into the message this morning, there's a couple things that I want to say. This coming Wednesday night, I'm going to do something that I have never, ever done before. And I know that surprises you, or probably doesn't, but this Wednesday, we're actually going to do a live broadcast of Supernormal Natural. This will be the first time that I've ever done anything like this. And if you don't know what Supernormal Natural is, the mindset behind it is that the supernatural should be normal. And this is something that we do the fourth Wednesday of every month here at the church uh, for the last several years. Basically, we pray for the sick and we bust up some demons and we pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and we uh, believe God for healing. And we also do a lot of dream interpretation. And so it's going to kind of be hard to do that with nobody here. But I have faith in the omnipresence of God and that the Lord can touch people right in their homes. And one of the things in particular I'm going to specifically focus on this coming Wednesday night is going to be dream interpretation. Now, some of you may have never heard anybody do public dream interpretation, and it's something that I do a lot. I've had a lot of dreams since I was a child. My middle name's Joseph, which means dreamer, and I believe that God speaks consistently to us through dreams. In fact, it's a promise from Joel chapter 2, uh, verse 28, and also Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, that in these last days, God would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. We would dream dreams and see visions and prophesy. And so if you've never, ever been a part of a dream interpretation time, I'm going to do that this coming Wednesday night. And a lot of people have been dreaming through this uh, shutdown or quarantine of COVID-19 for the last month and a half. And I actually saw that coming. I mentioned to our congregation about six to eight weeks ago that they would be dreaming a lot. And you wouldn't believe how many people have been having dreams. In fact, there was a whole news report on our local news station about people that are dreaming. And uh, they apparently called some worldly expert. They should have called me but they didn't. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a public dream interpretation. And I want to ask you to send your dreams. Now, I won't be able to do everybody's dream. And I might actually do this for the next two Wednesdays. We'll see how Wednesday goes. So pray for me. But if you've been having dreams and you would like me to publicly interpret them, I want to ask you to email your dream to melody at rockcitycorpus.com melody at rockcitycorpus.com. We have been compiling a dream book through all of this so that we can go back and look at the dreams that so many of you are having and what God's saying. Do you know that a third of the Bible came through dreams and visions? A third of the Bible, 
through dreams and visions. The birth of Jesus had five incredible dreams wrapped around it to protect him and to reveal to his parents what God was saying and doing. And so dreams are supernaturally important. They're movie reels in our mind, and it's God speaking to us while we sleep so that we can understand more of what he's saying and doing. And there's a lot of different types of dreams. There's warning dreams, there's spiritual warfare dreams, there's direction and guidance dreams, there's dreams that show the condition of your heart. And so we're gonna do dream interpretation and who knows what else the Lord will lead me to do on Wednesday night. And I'll talk about what supernormal natural really is and why should the supernatural be active in our lives today. We have a lot of people that have a great form of godliness in their life, but they deny the power. And if you deny the power of God, you're not gonna see the miraculous things that he wants to do in our life from healing, from speaking to us, from prophecy, to getting insight and understanding about what he's saying and doing, uh, to so many other things, to freedom from the lies of the enemy. And so we need God's power actively involved in our life. We can't have a church that just has great word and doesn't have the power to back it up. And so I wanna teach you about that this Wednesday night, Supernormal Natural Night. Please tune in, and uh, we'll have some fun. And send your dreams to melody at rockcitycorpus.com. That's this coming Wednesday night. All right, before I dive into the message, I would like to receive an offering this morning. And as all of you are at home watching me right now, I wanna encourage you guys to please make the decision to make a sacrifice to give. And let me start off by saying thank you to all of you who has, who has been giving. Rock City Church has not had to dip into its saving, savings through all of the COVID-19 lockdown. And I just want to celebrate that together with you. I love to share good news when it comes to giving. And so our church has always been blessed financially, and you guys have done a phenomenal job giving and supporting us through all of this. And I pray that we don't have to dip into our savings. And at the same time, we're giving a lot of money away, we're supporting a lot of families, and I have a feeling we're gonna support a lot of families going forward. And so I wanna ask you guys to give to our general fund, which enables us to continue to take care of our property, not have to touch into our savings, and take care of our staff that we still employ here. But also, we do have a disaster relief fund, a COVID-19 disaster relief fund, where if you give to that, that money will specifically and solely be used to give away to those that are in need uh, during this difficult time, or especially in the next in the weeks or the next few months to come. So you can give money in any of those two places. If you're a member and a full-time attender of Rock City Church, I wanna encourage you to give to our general fund. And if you're watching and not a part of this church and you're a part of another church, please give to your own local church. Uh, but if you're not a part of a local church, please consider giving to us. We would greatly appreciate that. Yeah! So um, I do wanna take a moment to pray over your finances and then we're gonna dive into God's word, which I'm so excited about. I love his word and I love this time and this opportunity that we have to be together to literally study the scriptures and understand God's heart about our life and to make his word relevant to every minute and every second of our life today, amen? So let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for everybody that's watching on this broadcast. Lord, I thank you, God, that as we continue to stay at home on Sunday mornings, that this will be an incredible time of worship with our family, spending time with one another, resting, relaxing, and enjoying what you've given us. And for those that are alone or struggling with fear, worry, or doubt, or mental illness, or have felt depressed and uh, fearful about their future, 
Lord, my prayer for them is that they would be so encouraged by this word, but mostly encouraged by your presence and your comfort because you're alive today. Thank you that you're alive. Thank you that you're living. Thank you that you rose from the dead so that you can give us constant comfort and help and aid and sympathy and compassion when we need you the most. You're our great high priest over the house of God. And so I pray into everybody's house right now that your home would be a sanctuary, that your house would be a place of worship, that even though we can't be together here, my prayer is that right where you're at, your home, your bedroom, your living room, your kitchen, your car, wherever you're at would be a sanctuary. Lord, let your presence come. We ask for you to come, Holy Spirit. Touch us and strengthen us and quicken us and love us in a way that only you can. We need you so desperately, Lord. We need your power. We need your love. We need you. Bring us back to you, Lord. Take away anything off the foundation that we have built that's false or not true or of our own doing. We want to be rooted on the rock, Lord. And I thank you, God, for all the churches of our cities, the church all over the world, Lord, as all of us are in the same spot together, that there would be a supernatural awakening and revival over our houses and our families and our intimacy and our worship at home so that when these doors open back up in the houses of worship all over the world, that God, there would be such an awakening and a passion and a fervency and it wouldn't be temporary, and it wouldn't fall through the cracks, God. As people are looking for hope and answers during this time, I thank you that we have an answer for everyone and for everything, and it never fades, and it never fails, and it'll be there tomorrow, the next day, next week, in two weeks, a month, six months, a year, and years to come. Woo! Gets me so fired up, Lord, and I pray that everybody watching would have encouragement and hope and faith and confidence and boldness and would flame on to the love and the greatness of who you are, no matter how hard what we're facing is, Lord. No matter how difficult it is, God. I thank you that we don't have to be afraid, but we can be strong and of good courage and not dismayed. That we can march towards the promise, God, that you have given us, no matter what's happening around us, no matter what our natural circumstances look like, God, I thank you that great hope and great faith is rising up in our hearts, God, to not be discouraged or dismayed. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that everything's in your hands, Lord. Our future, our jobs, our businesses, our money, our families. We put our hope and our trust in you, Lord. And I thank you, God, that we have every reason to be hopeful. Every reason to be hopeful, God. And so we trust you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for this family. Thank you for our church. Thank you for the churches of the city, Lord. Help us to respond right. Thank you for our county judge and our mayor and our city council members and our city manager, Lord, and our governor and our attorney general and our president and our vice president, for Congress and the Senate, Lord. God, I pray that you would pour out your spirit upon them, cause them to know you and to hear you and to be born again, 
and cause us, Lord, to love the way that you loved and to live the way that you lived and to serve the way that you served and to speak what only you speak. Because I thank you, Lord, that you've made us to be the contrast. You've made us to be the contrast, God. Now, Lord, may we be brighter than we've ever shined before, more radiant than we've ever been before. In this incredibly dark hour, Lord, I thank you that your light shines brighter and brighter and brighter in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I don't have any tissues up here and no one to bring me any. <laughs> but I'm not going to have a pity party about it. <laughs> so uh, anyway, wow, you know, I just, uh, I'm so thankful for the Lord and I'm so thankful, honestly, for this time, as hard as it is. I'll never want to forget it and I never want to forget the story that God is building in our lives and in our church. We live in a time like no other. So make your home a sanctuary today. Make your home a sanctuary. All right, well, I hope you guys are ready to dive into the word. And I, oh, I didn't tell you, there's several different ways that you guys can give. Yeah. We're playing football with a box of tissues in here. Uh, I didn't tell you guys there's multiple ways to give. You all should know all the different ways that you guys can give. Uh, you guys can give online, you guys can give via text message, or you can mail in a check, so you guys know what to do. All right. Uh, so let's dive into the Word this morning, and let me say a couple things before we dive into these scriptures. You know, when I preach, my heart is to strengthen, encourage, teach, and prepare you to live fully for Jesus and for the things that lie ahead. I want you to be trained and equipped to know him and to move in your gift and your nature and your calling. I want you to know who you are more than anything. And because of who you are, out of you will come a great desire to do what you're called to do. And so as I break down the scriptures and I break down the word, it's very, very important that you water these things that I teach you. It's very important that you take notes and you really listen and meditate. So I take time to really hear what God wants to say for all of us, but most importantly, I want you to hear what he's saying to you. And so as we study these scriptures, we ask that the Lord will breathe his breath upon them. Remember, God's word is the written word. This is the standard by which we live our lives and everything that we preach and say and stand on comes from this word, everything. This is what God has said. It's his logos, it's his written word. But what we need on top of this word is his spoken word, which is his rhema. You can't have one without the other. And every time I read the word and I meditate upon the word, God speaks to me while I'm reading his word. That's why it's so important that you're spending quality time reading your Bible. God always has something to say on top of what he said. And he makes it relevant and he makes it a right now word for your life no matter what you're facing and what you're doing. And so I love his word. So let's ask and believe that God will speak to us while we break these scriptures down. And today we're gonna read from Romans chapter 10. Now, I had a message fully planned to talk about what the disciples were doing post-resurrection and what Jesus was doing. In 33 days, Jesus will ascend to heaven. And in 43 days, we'll have Pentecost. So we're, we're speeding headlong 
to an outpouring of the Holy Spirit into Pentecost, which gets me super, super excited. I love Pentecost. Pena means 50 in Greek. It's 50 days. It's for, actually 49 days plus one. It's seven weeks plus one after the Passover or after the resurrection. We have an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. Pentecost is actually the feast of weeks or the feast of bread or the first fruits feast. And so we'll talk about that as we get to Pentecost, the outpouring, how that applies to us. And I really did want to talk about what the disciples were doing, what Jesus was doing during this time. Maybe I'll talk about that next week because I woke up this morning and the minute I opened up my eyes, I heard the Lord say Romans chapter 10. And I was like, well, Lord, I have this whole other message prepared. And so when I went to spend some time with the Lord this morning to kind of finish up my, my message, the Lord's like, I'm telling you, I want you to speak on Romans chapter 10. So I had to change my whole message. But the good news is I know Romans chapter 10. And so today we're going to talk about being the contrast. So grab your Bible and we're going to break down these scriptures starting at verse 1. And I want to talk with you first about, I want to set up this message and talk to you about how important it is that we understand that we're the contrast. Everybody say with me, I'm the contrast. What does it mean to be the contrast? Well, if you look up the word contrast, it literally means the state of being strikingly different than something else. Being strikingly different than something else. It's the enhancement of the apparent brightness or clarity of a design that comes from a different color or a different tone. It, it's having quality, qualities noticeably different than something or someone else. It's the action of calling attention to the degree and noticeable differences that are in our life. So let me ask you a question. Should we be different than the world? Should a Christian live differently than the rest of the world? The answer is yes. Is it okay to call attention to the differences and the changes in my life than in the world's life? Yes, it is. Now, if it comes out of pride, if it comes out of uh, haughtiness or cockiness or arrogance, it's not okay. If it comes from a position of being recognized and self-promoting myself, it's not okay. But if it comes from a position of desiring to bring other people out of their hurts and pains and darkness and lack of understanding, then that's when it's okay. And so we're always called to be the contrast. People should be able to look at our lives as Christians and see a difference. If not, then why would somebody want to change? If we don't have an answer, if we don't have hope in our lives, if nothing ever changed in me and I was just like I was 28 years ago, then why would somebody want to change their life or have what I have? I mean, people st still may want to change their life because they're unhappy, but why would they want what we have if there wasn't a noticeable change that was attractive to people and they wanted to grab hold of what was inside of your life? They wouldn't. And so being the contrast means that we have something inside of us that's different and we have changed in a way that's different than the rest of the world. And that's so important right now. It's so important that in the midst of COVID-19 and the world being shut down and the economy being shut down, and even in the midst of a lot of frustrations, that we as Christians represent and live our lives differently than the rest of the world does. 
We don't do the things that the world does. We don't live the way that the world does. We may be in the world, but we're not of the world. So something's different inside of me and something should be different inside of you. And so we're gonna talk about the contrast and it's okay to call attention to the things that have changed and the differences that have happened in our own lives. I talk about that all the time. And that's why you have to build a testimony. The testimony is who you once were, how Jesus changed you and who you've become now. Everybody's gotta build a testimony in their life. And that testimony comes from a true transformation of Christ inside of you, which is what's happened to me over the last 28 years. And every day, I'm still in the process of transformation. So we're gonna talk about the contrast and we're gonna break down Romans chapter 10. And before we dive into the first scripture, let me say this, the context of this section of scripture is in regards to how important it is that Israel gets the gospel and hears the gospel and the need that they have for true salvation, right? And the apostle Paul is expressing his desire and his passion for Israel to be saved. However, this chapter speaks not just to them, but also to us. It speaks to unbelievers. It speaks to the world. It speaks to those that have an incredible form of religion, but don't really know Jesus for who he really is. They have a, a form of understanding, but they don't have any power behind it. And so Romans chapter 10 is really a great breakdown for every single one of us that are watching. This passage of scripture speaks to all of us. So let's break down a few things. The theme of this chapter is the contrast. There's a contrast between what the law couldn't do and what Jesus did do. There's a contrast or a clear distinction with what those with the word of faith do say and what they don't say. So what do we say and what don't we say with the word of faith inside of our lives? There's also a great distinction between those who receive and believe Jesus and those who don't. So let's read. We're gonna break it down verse by verse. Verse one. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. So the Israelites have this incredible zeal and outward religious form for God, but they don't really have the internal knowledge of Jesus and the accurate way to worship and the accurate way to salvation. They don't really actually have that. But there's so many people in this world today, even people that confess Christianity, that have this incredible zeal for God externally. They have a form of religion in their life, but they don't actually know him internally. We go through the motions and we even make a lot of confessions with our mouths, but we don't actually really have a true knowledge and understanding of who he is. Why? Because our, our Christianity is works-based or it's religious-based. That's why the fact that there's nobody here today doesn't really bother me so much. I mean, in the long run, I'm going to be pretty frustrated because I miss you. I'm frustrated because I know that I need you in my life. We need to pray for each other, lay hands on each other. We need to be together. We need to worship together. There's something that happens when we're together that you'll never get alone. God never called us to be alone. He always has called us to gather and assemble together as a family. But at the same time, what I understand is that Sunday morning church 
by coming to church on Sunday morning does not produce life. Just by going through the religious motions, it doesn't produce life. You can even read this Bible all your life and be dead as a doornail. People go to church their whole lives and can be dead as a doornail because they don't have a proper, accurate knowledge and understanding and lordship of who Jesus is in their personal life. Our Christianity becomes works-based or works-driven. And that was the case with the Israelites and that's the case with so many people today. The next thing is that you can have a zeal but actually not have any effective working power in your life. There's a lot of people that have a lot of zeal for God, but are people getting healed? Are they casting out demons? Are they laying hands on the sick? Are they praying in other tongues? Are they moving in the power of the spirit? Are people getting saved and born again? Is their life a passionate expression everywhere they go that produces life in other people's life? You don't have to only do those things that I just mentioned, but the point is it's reproductive power. It brings life and reproduces sons and daughters everywhere around us. And then the next thing is, is that adhering to the law and laying claim with our mouth or doing all the right things doesn't actually save us. The only thing that saves us is faith in Jesus Christ, being born again and asking him into our life and being led by him in everything that we do. So verse three, for they being ignorant, verse three really sums up verse two. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. So verse three really sums up verse two. It's their own righteousness versus God's righteousness. And the key is they were unsubmitted to God's righteousness. What does that mean? Here's what it means. It means that Jesus did what you could never do. That's why verse four is so important. Let's look at verse four real quick. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. The end of the law really means he was the culmination of the law. It really means that he fully fulfilled it. He adhered to all of it and accomplished it and was perfect and was sinless. And then when he died on the cross, he provided that righteousness to every single one of us. So now I don't have to find my own righteousness by adhering to the law, which you could never fully fulfill, but rather I find it but by what Christ did for me. You've got to see this. And I know for some of you, this is like pretty heavy, revy stuff, but you've got to understand the essence of the gospel. Jesus did what you could never do. And to really, really understand it, it's, you've got to understand verse five. Let's look at verse five. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. So this is what I want you to understand. Living by the law brings its own contrast. What is it? Self-righteousness, accomplishment, and a false sense of security or letdown and failure. Hence, I do or follow it. If I follow it, I have to live by it. Here's what that means. If I'm living by works, if I'm living by my self-righteous religious duty, I will always live in this feeling of either I've accomplished, I've arrived, I'm righteous, self-righteous, I feel good, I went to church, I did my religious duty, I read my Bible, I worshiped, and I'm always living in a high because I'm doing all the right things. Or the contrast of that is when I don't do them, I'm in the toilet. 
if I didn't go to church, if I didn't read my Bible, if I didn't worship, if I didn't do all the right things. It's the same concept of righteousness by the law. And so Moses is saying, if you live by it, you have to do all of it. And what happens is when I do it, I'm self-righteous and I feel good. But when I don't, I'm in the toilet. Do any of you feel like you're pleasing God one day and letting him down the next? Do any of you feel like you're an emotional roller coaster with the Lord? You're hot, you're cold, you're up, you're down. He loves me, he loves me not. You're pulling out the daisies. He loves me, he loves me not. That is a deceptive lie that comes from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the, the mindset is, is that if I do good and I be good and I do all the things that God asked me to do, I'm accepted. But if I don't, then I'm not accepted. And that's what happens with self-righteousness that only comes from the law. But Jesus was the culmination. Jesus fulfilled it all and did what we could never do. So now if I look to the cross and I look to the resurrected Christ, if I look to Jesus, who's the tree of life today, I literally have constant help and aid and support and strength and the blood and forgiveness. And now I have his spirit living inside of me by faith that enables me to live upright and to stay confident all the time. Now my confidence isn't in my own works. Your confidence should never be in your own works or in your good religious duty. Your confidence should always be in Jesus and that's what Paul's gonna go on to say. So let's take a look at verse four again. In verse four, it says, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Everyone who believes in Jesus ultimately receives the fullness of salvation and righteousness that he provided on the cross. All we have to do is believe. And to believe means that I adhere and I follow and I put my hope and I put my trust in. It's not just a verbal belief. It's a full-scale heart belief that enables me to become a true disciple and follow him and trust in him and believe in everything he says to do. So let's take a look at verse six and seven. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or verse seven, or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. And so now we get to the truth and what the real contrast is, the way we speak and the way that we don't speak. So the Apostle Paul quotes Moses out of Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 11 and 14, where Moses says the word is not so mysterious that you have to have someone else go get it for you. The word of faith doesn't say who's gonna go up or down or across the sea to bring Jesus back to me or to bring the word to us. Why? Because Jesus is alive and you have access. Let's everybody say, I have access. You have access right now. You have access to everything that Jesus has for you. In fact, the access is so close to you, it's as close as the tongue in your mouth and your heart and your heart inside of your chest. That's how close it is. So the word of faith does not say, I need somebody else to go get the word for me. Now, am I bringing you a word that I hope encourages you and reminds you of who you are, reminds you of the salvation that you have, reminds you that you can never do it in your own strength and that you should stay, stay consistent emotionally all the time? Yes. But at the same time, you've got to learn to hear God's voice for yourself. 
you've got to learn that Jesus is so close to you. He's not so far away. He's not here at the church and not in your house. He's not across on the other side of the world dealing with another country more than he wants to deal with you. He's so close to you. And this is what the word of faith says. It doesn't say what Moses said, somebody else needs to go get it, because that's what they say to Moses. Moses, you ascend the mountain and bring the word for us. Now, we don't have to say to somebody else, go get the word for me. You literally can hear God's word for yourself because the word of faith or the rhema word of God right now is so close to your mouth, so close to your heart, as close as your tongue and as close as the heart is inside of your chest. You've got to see that. So verse eight says, the word of faith does say, let's look at verse eight real quick. But what does it say? The word is near you, it's in your mouth and it's in your heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. And the word of faith that we preach is something I know, it's something I'm confident of, it's something that I own because of what's happened into my own life. That I don't actually have to have somebody else go and get it for me. And during this time while we're all at home, during this time where there's a lot of uncertainty and conspiracy theories and frustrations with the economy and our jobs and our money, now is the most important time for you to hear God for yourself. You know, the other day I went to a new spot and I spent some time with the Lord. I'm I'm really into spots. So I have all these different spots. You know, we're by the coast, so I go to these different areas and I park by the water and under bridges and parks by the water. But the other day I found a new spot and I went and I got with the Lord. No one else was around and I went outside and I lifted up my hands. I began to worship the Lord. And I began to feel so much comfort and strength and courage from the Lord because the Lord was showing me how much it meant to him that I was willing to go and worship him alone by myself, lifting my hands as if I was in the congregation. And I could see myself in the congregation at that time. I could see myself together with all of you. And I felt the pleasure of the Lord on me because what I was really demonstrating and what I knew meant so much to him is that I didn't just have to be here to worship him. I could worship him in my own and in the private. And that's an important word for all of you because right now, a lot of us are frustrated that we're not meeting. A lot of churches are getting more and more frustrated and something's gonna have to change soon. But what a disaster that would be for us if that changed and we didn't change. If we just raced through this time and we came back together in our frustration, but we missed the opportunity to worship him like never before and to believe and to trust and to cry out and to never take this for granted, but to make sure that we're doing it home on our own. And that's the contrast. The contrast is this, is that, I'm not going the way of the world. I'm not frustrated the way the world is frustrated because I have hope in the Lord Jesus. I know him and the word of faith says he's right here, right now, in my mouth, in my heart. I have a confession and I have a belief inside of my heart and that's what I want you to see. Your mouth and your heart are so important during this time. Your mouth and your heart are so important. And so it says, that is the word of faith that we preach. Let's look at verse nine. Actually, we'll read verse nine and 10. 
that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So first we have to see that our mouth and our heart are closely related. I believe in my heart, thus I confess with my mouth. What do I confess with my mouth? Jesus is Lord. Let's everybody say that together. Jesus is Lord. What does that mean? That means that Jesus is the full head of my life. He's my leader. He's my master. He's the one that I follow. He's the one that leads, guides, and directs me. He's the head over my entire life. Jesus is Lord. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord, and I believe in my heart what? He's alive, that God raised him from the dead. So we just celebrated Easter last week. We celebrated the resurrection. We talked about how really everything started with the resurrection. Had Jesus not risen from the dead, we would not have a living, powerful God to help us right now. But because he's alive, he literally is with us and close to us, and he is Lord over our life at all times. And so our mouth and our heart are so important. With the, ha- with the heart, mouth, I make confession, and with the heart, I believe under righteousness. So my heart belief leads me to live right, and my mouth confession leads me into constant, continual salvation all the days of my life. It means that he's always making me new. So if you notice, what am I saying? If you watch me consistently, what are the words out of my mouth? I believe in hope, I believe in life, I believe in a promise, I believe in a future, I believe in God's kindness, mercy, and grace. I'm always confessing things that produce life and salvation in my life, and that's because in my heart, there's truth. And so your heart and your mouth are so important during these times. Let's look at verse 11. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will never be put to shame. When you believe in Jesus, you're never put to shame, ever. So if there's any shame from your past, hurts and pains, if you feel like religions beat you down or the mistakes that you've made have beat you down, when you put your hope in Jesus, literally he breaks the shame out of your life and brings you into the light and brings true freedom, life, and liberty to you. And so verse 12 says, there's no distinction between Jew and Greek for it's the same Lord over all, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. So there's no difference in your, in, the, in your skin color, in your ethnicity, in your financial status. All of us in God's eyes are created equal. And God says everybody has the same access to know him, to believe in him, to trust him, and to be saved. He saves all of us when we believe on his name and there's no distinction. And so wherever you're at, whatever it is that you're facing, what I want you to know is that there's no distinction. God loves you. He cares about you, no matter where you've been or what you've done. Now, it's vitally important that we stop living the way that we lived before. But you're never gonna be able to do that unless the shame breaker comes and breaks off your past, breaks off the lies, and literally puts his word inside of your heart, rescues you, and starts the process of salvation in your life. You can't do it without Jesus. And so verse 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will what? Be saved. What is salvation? It means that God comes to your rescue. If you need rescue right now, God wants to rescue you. It means that he protects you. 
I can't live in fear of COVID-19. I can't live in fear of getting bit by something or losing something. I have to put it all in his hand because I'm confessing, confessing the lordship of Jesus in my life and I believe it in my heart. So I'm not gonna walk in shame. I'm gonna trust in him. I don't want my businesses to close, but you know what? If, they're gonna, if they close, I, Jesus is still Lord. If there's nobody here today, Jesus is still Lord. And I've said this before, you know, all of us have had to come to terms like if we got coronavirus. And I said this early on, if I got it, I'm gonna believe I'm gonna be healed. And there's many, many people, even some of you maybe that are watching that got it, that are already healed from it. I'm not gonna walk in fear of death. And even if death did knock on my door, eternity starts now. So I'm gonna walk confident. I'm not gonna walk in fear. I believe I have a resurrected Jesus that's alive and fighting for me. I have no shame. And in turn, I become the contrast. And here's where we really get into the understanding of the contrast. Verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how should they believe in him in whom they've not heard? And how should they hear without a preacher? So notice this. Number one, you can't call on somebody if you don't believe in him. I want to encourage you today to believe in Jesus and to call on his name. Call out and cry out. It's something I do all the time. I'm constantly calling out and crying out to the Lord. Morning, noon, and night. All the time in my heart, I'm calling out and I'm crying out. Why? Because I believe. Next it says, how they shall they believe in him who they've not heard? And that's why I'm here preaching, is to tell you about the greatness of Jesus. There's preachers all over the world. Some that are preaching right and some that aren't preaching right. But when you hear the right word, it's so important that you listen, you hear, and you believe. And then the next thing is, is how will they hear without a preacher? So we need preachers to preach the truth and the gospel and the life. But watch this. And how shall they preach unless they're sent? So God sends all of us into the world to be the contrast. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So what do we preach? The good news of peace. So when you listen to me preach, sometimes I'll be better than others, but we can't be moved by how good the preaching is. What we have to be moved by is the gospel being demonstrated. Does it bring peace to your life? The last thing you need is somebody to put you into religious condemnation or more works-based Christianity. What you need to know is the gospel brings peace. That when I believe and when I confess continuously, it breaks shame. It's as close as my tongue. The word is as near as my heart. God's making me righteous through the cross and him living inside of me. And my confession is always a confession of truth and life that makes me whole, which means you have to stop complaining. You have to stop being a pessimist all the time, being negative all the time, worried all the time, afraid all the time. Those things will kill you. But when you speak life and truth and speak God's word, the word of faith says this, Jesus is right here right now to help me, comfort me, give me aid. I have his word to lead and guide me. I'm instructed in how to worship and praise him. I don't have an ignorance with zeal. I have a zeal with a true knowledge and understanding that produces life. And that's what we've got to have right now during this time more than ever before, and it's gonna set us apart. We bring glad tidings of good things. Verse 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. 
For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes how? By hearing and hearing by the rhema word of God. When God speaks to you continuously, it produces supernatural faith in your life. Why am I so fired up all the time? Because I hear God's voice. And when I don't, I make it even my greater intent to pursue him and to know him. It's the, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the honor and the glory of kings to search it out. And so the fire, somebody asked me this morning, it was Colton said, are you fired up? And the truth is in the natural, I didn't feel so fired up. But I learned a long time ago, the fire is not a feeling. The fire is a position. The fire comes from who he is inside of me. It's not a hyped up, made up, feel good. Because one day, if, what happens if I don't feel good one day? Am I not so fired up? No, the fire is an internal posture inside of your heart. And you've got to understand that there's always, always this hearing and hearing by the word of God that produces faith inside of us. And I can assure you, whenever you're depressed, worried, fearful, anxious, all those things are the opposite of hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's the opposite of faith. Anybody that ever comes to me that's depressed, downcast, addicted, worried, afraid, tormented, is not walking in the perfect love of God. And we have those moments. Sure, I have sometimes like that. And I've learned through lots of years of ups and downs what it means to stay consistent with the Lord. This is what the word of faith says. Confession, my heart, the word's near me. I have no shame. Jesus died on the cross. This is all chapter 10. He died and fully did what I could never do. Now when I believe in him, he makes me everything I'm called to be. You're gonna get this. It's a powerful, powerful word. So faith comes by hearing. That's why we need preachers. That's why sometimes you need somebody to encourage you and strengthen you and comfort you. But ultimately, where does God want us to go? He wants you to hear his voice. He wants you to know that Jesus is close to you. He wants you to know that you don't have to be so dependent on a Sunday morning. He wants you to know you don't have to be so dependent on the prophet or even me bringing the word to you. That's why some people, they're like, chase conferences down all the time. And if I don't go to the next conference and I don't get my next breakthrough, then I'm not gonna be fired up or I'm gonna be discouraged or downcast. You know, more than the God of the breakthrough, he's the God of the grow through. And he wants you to learn to grow through, through times like this to where you're not always having to be so dependent on the conference or the next preacher or the next prophet or the next prophecy or even the next Sunday morning church service. Church is always designed to be about family and relationships and training and equipping and community, breaking bread and worshiping together. It's true communion. It's never meant to be your once a week fix to make you feel better. And so I'm encouraging you guys today to understand that God wants you to hear his word and it should be producing constant faith. You should be being transformed from faith to faith and growing in your knowledge and understanding for the Lord. And that produces a 27, 28, 30 year, 40 year fire inside of your life that'll never go out. Verse 18, but I say, they've not, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth and the words to the ends of the world. This is the contrast. There's a sound that has gone out all over the world through preachers, through ministers, and even through God's creation, giving everybody an equal chance and an opportunity to know who the Lord is. Verse 19, but I say, did Israel not know? First Moses says, I'll provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. 
So here comes a real contrast. People will be provoked to jealousy by those who really know the truth. And what it should do is it should cause people to want what you have. Look at verse 20. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. This is another generation, another nation that God raises up. And in verse 21, he says to Israel, he says, all day long, I've stretched out my hands to obedient, to a disobedient and contrary people. Here's the point. Not everybody's gonna accept. Not everybody's gonna know it the way that you and I know it. But when we become alive in Jesus, those that don't know, and he's specifically talking about Israel, that through us having the knowledge, understanding, intimacy, it should be provoking them to jealousy and ultimately leading them to know Jesus. But let's talk about the world and let's talk about the people that don't know him the way that you and I do. The best thing that we can do as Christians is to live the contrast. It means that I'm not looking at porn and I'm not doped up and drunk and addicted and messed up and selfish and screwed up. It means that I'm loving the way Jesus loved. It means that I live my life boldly, loudly, and radiantly at all times. It means that I don't have to live my life private. I have private components of my life, but my life is lived out loud. I wear my heart on my sleeve. I tell people how much Jesus has transformed me, who I was, what Jesus did and who I am now. I hear God's voice consistently and that makes us the contrast. And if you wanna know how your lost family members are gonna be saved and born again and how the world and our politicians are gonna be saved and born again, it's gonna happen by us being the contrast. And that's why the Bible says that judgment starts with the house of God. What does that mean? It means that God's house should be the standard or God's people should be the standard. And the reason why I believe God woke me up this morning and wanted me to preach this message to you, and I know that was a lot of scripture. We went line by line through an entire chapter. I can only do what the Lord told me to do when it comes to bringing this word to you. The reason why is because God has called us to provoke the world to know him. Live your life differently. Don't be disobedient like the Israelites were. Don't be obstinate. Everybody has had this opportunity to hear. Let's live our lives out loud. Let's stay fired up no matter what our natural circumstances look like. We don't have to fight the way that the world fights. We know Jesus is Lord. And that means when Jesus is Lord, everything's gonna be all right. That means when Jesus is Lord, no matter what happens, everything's gonna be all right, even if I lose my life. I don't live my life unto myself. I'm not living in self-preservation. You've got to stop living in self-preservation. This is the greatest test that I've ever faced in my life in so many ways, from the church to the coffee shops. But at the same time, I'm having the best time with my family. And I wanna encourage you guys, if you're alone, discouraged, frustrated, irritated, meditate on chapter 10. Understand what does the word of faith really say? What does it mean to live by faith? What makes you righteous? It's not your religious works anyway. It's not by how good you are. And it's also not by having this external zeal, but no internal knowledge. 
Do you know people that are really religious, but you wonder where's the love? Where's the passion? Where's the compassion? Where's the care? I see people like that all the time. They know how to confess scripture, quote scriptures and make confessions, but out of them is coming this religious zeal that doesn't exude passion, care, and love and who Jesus really is. Let's not be that. Let's be the contrast. Let's be the bright ones. Let's be the radiant ones. And let's win this dark world, not be like it. Be the contrast today. So I wanna pray for you. And I want you to agree with me and ask the Lord to make you the contrast. And my prayer is that your faith would have been strengthened today. The word of faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. Do you know that word for word is rhema? When God speaks to you, your faith rises up. And that's why we always need to be hearing and we need to be doing. You can't just hear and not do. And so I'm gonna pray for you this morning. We're in a time like we've never been in before, ever. And I don't know what the future holds, but what I do know is I'm gonna make sure that I'm ever present getting everything out of this time that I'm supposed to get. I wanna be more desperate. I wanna be more in love. I wanna be more uh, aggressive to know him. For me, that's less Facebook, less TV, and more worship, more time in the word. I wanna have dreams of the Lord. I wanna see angels and hear his voice and I wanna be awakened and I wanna hear, hear everything God's saying about our country and the nations of the world. I don't wanna miss a thing. And I hope that you don't either. So this is a very serious time and I think Romans 10 is really a powerful word for right now. Let's not be disobedient and hard-hearted like the Israelites were in the desert full of disbelief, but let's believe and let's speak truth. Let's speak life and stop chasing down every other word and every other prophecy and every other dream and who's saying this and who's saying that and I got it. And next thing you know, your head is just filled with all these different noises and things and people and words and belief systems and conspiracy theories and frustrations and aggressiveness. How about if we get silent and we get quiet and we get back to the cross? How about if we get back to Jesus as Lord? How about if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth truth and life and it produces this incredible salvation that makes us stronger? And how about if in a week or two weeks or three weeks or a month when we start to really come out of this, we saw this time during the coronavirus quarantine or shutdown or lockdown or whatever it is you wanna call it, shelter in place, What if we really looked back at this time and said, that was one of the most difficult but most beautiful things I've ever been through. Look at the resurrection power of God. I already believe, even if I had to shut the doors of my business, and even when the doors of this church are being shut, I can already see two weeks, three weeks a month. This has been from day one because I believe confidently in the headship and lordship of Christ. Sure, there's a lot of if and buts. If something doesn't change, we could fill in the blank of how bad it can and might be. But you know what? I'm in the kingdom. I'm not of this world and neither are you. And if you're not born again, you need to give your life to Jesus so you can get out of the rat race and the frustration and the irritation and the self-righteousness. You can never do it in your own strength anyway. 
that's another form of self-righteousness that I don't need God, I can do it in my own strength. And that's not true. It's time to come out. It's time to be the contrast. So who's with me? So let's pray together and let's believe that God's gonna do something so wonderful. I mean, I mean something so big. What if an outpouring of God was right in front of us? What if a massive outpouring of God was about to hit this earth? What if a cataclysmic collision was about to come and we missed it because we complained and we didn't worship and we didn't read our Bibles and we didn't sit at his feet and we didn't look to the cross and we didn't make right confessions? I'm tired of the negative confessions on Facebook from Christians. What if God was about to pour out his spirit from heaven onto earth in a way none of us have ever seen? And we were complaining and negative and worried and saying, somebody else get the word for me and not hearing his faith and walking in shame and trying to live it in our own strength. I'm telling you, God's about to move in a way we've never seen. And this is a preparation. This is a preparation for an outpouring of the Spirit that's about to hit the whole world. Mark my words. I was thinking about Hurricane Harvey that wiped out my coffee shop once. And just a few months later, it snowed here, which was a really big deal. It never snows here. One other time I can remember. When it snows in Corpus Christi, it's a miracle. And God was saying, though there was destruction, though you lost everything, though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them white as snow. There is a redemption coming. There is a power of God coming. There's an outpouring. There's a snowfall. There's a purity. God is going to purify his bride. I feel it. So please be the contrast. I'm begging you to stop living like the world lives and complaining the way the world complains. Jesus, I just thank you, Lord, that the cry of my heart will be answered first by you in heaven turning the hearts of your people, but that the people, your bride, will live as a bride, that we will not grow weary and weak in well-doing, fall asleep at the midnight hour, but that our lamps will be full and our wicks will be trimmed and we'll be ready for the call of the bridegroom. Prepare us for the call of the bridegroom, Lord. Prepare us for the outpouring of your spirit on earth as it is in heaven, God. Break the complaining, break the negativity, break the frustration. Show us how to love, Lord, the way that you loved. Show us how to live the way that you lived. May we hear your voice and grow from faith to faith and break shame out of our lives, God. May there be unity and oneness with the church and in our homes and in our marriages and with our children. 
God, bring unity from this adversity. Please, God, don't let your church be divided. I'm sorry, Lord, if I've been divisive with the church, God. Have mercy on me, Lord. And have mercy on everybody watching that's been divisive over the church. And I thank you, Lord, that the word of faith is coming out of confident sons and daughters, preaching the word of the gospel of peace, hope and life and salvation, freedom and fresh fire. Fire us up, Lord. Fire us up, God, like we've never been before. An authentic burning flame that sets a powerful contrast, full of life, not just zeal. I don't want to just be zealous, God. I don't want any viewer to just be zealous, Lord. Forgive us for just having a zeal, but not having a knowledge of the true lordship of you. And Lord, may we worship in our homes, in our yards, in our fields, in our cars. Spin us upside down, Lord. Flip us upside down, God. And everything that has held us down and held us back. Give us vision, Lord. Put an expectancy in our hearts, God, that something incredible is about to happen, that we would not get discouraged or dismayed. by the giants in the land and the walls built to the sky. Go before us as a consuming fire, God. Not because of our own righteousness, but because of what you did on the cross and because you hate wickedness in the land. Strengthen your bride. Strengthen your church. Strengthen me. Strengthen everybody that's a part of this church and the churches of our cities. And cause us, Lord, to truly become one in the bride that you have died for. And may you get the reward of the price that you paid. Make us your reward, Lord. Make me your reward, God. Make me your reward. And burn so deep inside of all of us like we've never known, Lord. Make us, Lord, so hungry and thirsty for righteousness so that we would be filled and bring comfort and strength to everybody that's been watching. And may it never end, even when this broadcast and when I stop preaching ends, Lord, because you never end. You're near to their mouth and their heart. That's how close you are, as close as our tongues and as close as our heart, Lord. You're right here right now. You're right there right now. And I thank you, God, that church will never be the same after this. We don't want it to be the same. So change us. Change us, Lord. Change me on the inside. Change me on the inside. Make that your prayer right now. Change me on the inside, Lord. And have mercy. Have mercy on us, God. And I thank you, Jesus, that there's still a great promised land. Eternity starts now. We get our eyes on eternity, Lord. We get our eyes on eternity. 
We love you and we thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right, well, uh, I make no apologies for being emotional. Uh, it's good to cry. So anyway, I love you so much and I'm so thankful for you. Thank you for supporting our church. Thank you for giving. Thank you for staying strong during this time in your lives. And if you need help, please reach out. Please do not go it alone. Please reach out and let somebody know if you're battling depression, worry, fear, anxiety, loneliness, ask somebody for help. Reach out to our church, reach out to your local churches, and don't go it alone. This is gonna pass. I said at day one, this is gonna pass. And when it passes, what will we have learned? And so I want you to know that I'm praying for you and I love you. I believe in you mightily. Send in your dreams to Melody at rockcitycorpus.com and Supernormal Natural will happen on Wednesday night of this week. It's gonna be wild and it's gonna be fun. So I bless you and I pray you'd have supernatural dreams and visions and hear God's voice consistently all the days of your life. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys have an amazing, rock and awesome, fired up day and we'll see you on Wednesday night.